Wait. You don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah. But, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. We like to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform so you can be notified of the newest episodes when they're released. Hey, look at that. I didn't screw it up this time. Okay. Also, be sure to join the Facebook group. Join the group. Join the conversation. That's You Don't Sound Autistic YDSA on Facebook. We like to welcome listeners from different countries and all over the United States. And the new people that have joined the Facebook group recently, we welcome you. Um, you can also check out YouDon'tSoundAutistic.com for old episode show notes and links to reference materials and episode posts. Check out the Brain Hugs or the shop to find the, product, pro, the, pro, the products <laughs> the products we use to manage our daily lives. And for our new listeners... For our new listeners... You Don't Sound Autistic is a mental and emotional health awareness podcast. Each week, we do our best to represent both narrow perspectives and talk about the continual discovery process of life on the spectrum. Our goal is to illuminate, uncover, and transparently discuss life with multi-diagnosis through a multi-generational neurodivergent lens. We follow an open, unscripted, conversational format that represents the real-life back and forth of communication and collaboration. Even if you aren't raising the next generation, you'll find the comparison of the age groups helpful in seeing the more <laughs> the more hidden patterns in the DNA of your lifestyle and lineage. Oh crap, that's the end already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not the end of the show, but the end of your spiel. Were you trying to sneak some more ice cream in before I... Uh... What ice cream? <laughs> this is Haagen-Dazs. <laughs> Fair point. It's in a class of its own. That's right. It's actually really good. Oh, good. Okay, that's it. No more ice cream for me because I finished it. Um, yeah, I wanted to cover a couple things this episode. We'll see how much we get to. Um, you know, we had uh, a very controversial episode 67, I thought. I know. but And we lost a listener and a Facebook member. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that? Sure. Okay. Why'd you do that? <laughs> Why did I do what? <laughs> I don't know. Um, just to clarify. So basically, in the last episode, Rochelle was talking about... Um, why don't you say what you were talking about? Because if I say it... Well, no, <laughs> you don't if, even know. No, I do. Because I feel like if I say it, you're going to say that's not what I said. Okay. What I was suggesting is that... Like everything, the field of medicine and science regarding what we know and understand about autism is consistently changing and it's always growing. And so all I was saying is th that it's important to know that the definitions that we're using to define our experience today might very well change just like everything as we continue to learn more and more about what autism and neurodivergent life is and how our experiences can change. That's all. I'm just saying keep an open mind because we don't know everything. Okay. And there are, you know, there are teams of 
scientists and medical doctors and you know physicians everywhere that are working on trying to help everyone's experience be better i don't think that was the thing that was the issue i think it was that i kept trying to clarify what you were saying and i even said like it sounds like you're saying that there should be a cure for autism then i i know in the episode you said no that's not what i'm saying but then you also said something about getting rid of it and i think the no what i suggest no what i said is that there are there are neurologists who have been able to link autistic symptoms back to integration deficits between the right and left hemisphere. And that by by developing that if part of the brain... If I remember correctly, you talk about the corpus callosum. Yes, which is the highway. It's the... it's Between the front and back part of the brain. No, between the right and left parts of the brain. That's not what you said. Yeah, we're talking about the hemispheres of the brain. There's there's no front and back hemisphere of the brain. There's there lobes. should be. There's well, maybe right. maybe not for you, but for us autistic people. <laughs> no, it's the same. Okay, Everyone fine. has a right hemisphere and a left hemisphere. So this neurologist was expressing that there are autistic symptoms that are a result of an underdeveloped corpus callosum and an underdeveloped integration between the right and left hemisphere. He's. I'm not suggesting that means it cures all autism it's not a unilateral statement it's not even a statement that applies necessarily to each person because everyone's well, experience the, is I different think that's the so let me jump into the comment that was deleted from facebook um and i'm not going to name who it was because they're not a, a part of the group anymore but uh i woke up you know i wake up early i wake up at like 4 a.m to go to work in the morning and i saw a post that it was like, hey, saw the last episode. It was the best and worst. I'm just paraphrasing. Um, something like, it was the best and worst episode yet. Um, the, what did they say? Basically, who is this show for? And they were, you know, clearly upset by the content and that they didn't feel like they needed to be fixed. And, I think that's the thing is when you say it's not going to cure all autism or there's not a, you know what I mean? Like people, people that are autistic don't feel like that part of them is something that needs to be stripped away or fixed. I don't, I've never made those claims either. I don't believe that that would be true. I, I'm not autistic, so I don't well, then what's have those the feelings, point of but what I'm bringing s- it up. What I said in the last episode, and I'll repeat now, is that we are a podcast that studies the brain. And most neurodivergent conditions are expressed by even the diagnostic criteria as being a developmental challenge. So if that's a developmental, if it's caused by developmental challenges, then there's also the flip side, which says that there are developmental continuances that can improve your experience and i continue to use those words and only those words improve your experience okay i am not in a i i there's so much that fixing implies being broken i don't believe autistic experiences are broken i don't believe i, I don't you even said in like the first episode that you think that being autistic is like an evolutionary creation type of thing like it's the next step in human evolution I think there are some, here's, okay, that's a loaded question because I have a lot of beliefs. Um, Do I believe that there's an evolutionary advantage to it? Yes. Do I believe it's a gift? Yes. Do I believe it feels like that for most people? No. And so 
all I'm doing is bringing up different research and philosophies from medical providers who are suggesting that there are several root causes that create an autistic brain. And one of those causes is a lack of integration between the right and the left hemispheres that also results in things. It's not just autism, by the way, ADHD, ADD, all dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia. Um, there are several things that we struggle with on a daily basis. And, you know, can your experience be improved by balancing the integration between the two hemispheres of your brain? Potentially. Does that cure anything? I, I'm not in a position to say, nor do I care. I don't believe that we need to be cured. I think that everyone's experience is you know, theirs to cultivate. And if you are, are suffering with something and you don't want to be, maybe there are things that you can do to improve your experience. That may be something dietary where you remove sugar and salty foods. Maybe it's something where you seek a brain balance program. Maybe it's something where you change your sleep habits or, you know, I mean, why does one thing have to be classified as a fix versus something else if we're just talking about improving your overall experience, which is all I have ever cared about. Okay. It just, to me, sounded, and this other person, like you were trying to, you know, get rid of being autistic, which... But anyone who's ever, who's listened to any of these episodes knows that I don't feel that way, and I think the only person who was instigating that philosophy was you, probably out of fear that that's what I was saying, which is insulting, considering you know very well how I, how I feel. And so, none of that represents me or my philosophies as a parent or a spouse or a sister or a brother or a daughter of autistic individuals. So, you know, I don't think that was fair on your part. And I felt very unsupported. And I felt like you were listening with kind of a closed mind and expecting to hear me say something controversial and therefore didn't listen to what I was saying and tried to turn it into something controversial. Because it wasn't. Okay. Well, it sounded controversial to me. But that's illustrating my point perfectly. All right. Well, I just wanted to bring that up because it was, you know, we don't, it's not like we have millions of listeners and we lost one. We have dozens of listeners. <laughs> I just want, I talked in other episodes about like, is it possible to remove the mask and my, my deep hope that one day that we could live in a world where nobody needed to mask where I, I mean I'm not autistic and I have masks and I feel very prompted to use them in certain situations where I just know I can't be myself and and so I empathize with how that might feel for you and how I, I hear your experiences but how is me wanting you to not have to live with a mask any different than you know maybe you don't feel like you have to struggle so much in a social situation I'm not saying cure your autism I don't I don't know why we're so allergic to a thought like that I'm when we're just talking about improving your experience whatever that is okay let's not belabor the point but I get it I see what you're saying you want to cure autism all right let's oh move my on God. I'm just kidding I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding I'm gonna hit you with a shoe <laughs> you're not even wearing shoes how are you gonna do that well I'm sensory sensitive to shoes Whatever. And I, and I need to have shoes on all the time. Um, so I, I, the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, our evening last night. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And you could probably speak to it more than I can, seeing as I was asleep through most of it. Yeah. So there's that. And this is in no way an endorsement or in, in for or against the movie. 
but um, I was I I thought it would be fun to go see the Dungeons and Dragons movie that just came out. Mm-hmm. And so I bought tickets at an expensive theater, and we got food and snacks and the whole thing. And then uh, I don't know how long into the movie. About twenty minutes. About apparently twenty minutes into the movie, I might have dozed off. I mean, who could blame you? We're in the back row. You're in a recliner seat. You just had dinner and a margarita, and it was like you were comfy. It was very comfy. <laughs> had a little background, a, a, a very expensive background noise going. <laughs> right. Um, but I just remember like looking over at you, and you're like you're snoring, and I was like, "How's that possible? I'm awake." <laughs> yeah, you said some really funny stuff. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not. I'm like, really? Do you know what's going on in the movie? What movie? <laughs> you, no, I didn't. Yes, you did at one point. I didn't I woke say you movie. up several times. But I would have let you sleep through the whole thing if I didn't think your snoring would bother other people. Like if we were in the movie theater by ourselves, like we have been sometimes, yeah. I wouldn't have cared. But I feel awful about it because of what also transpired, but then I was asleep, so I don't know. Like it, it's embarrassing now to think about. Like, oh my, oh my God, I, I was that guy. It was just like, but you were in sawing the, logs. Well, and as long as I was, it really loud. I didn't let it get that loud because I didn't let I didn't let it get there. If you started to really snore, to did where, anyone look at me? No, because I woke you up fast. It was just enough. you. So I was just annoying you. You weren't annoying me. I let you sleep and snore through it until it got loud enough. The problem was more Declan. Because right. once Declan heard you snoring, he realized he could overpower me. And that's what he did. So being in the back, I don't think it would have mattered wherever we were. It's a good thing we were in the back because he was going to do this regardless. But the, the sound in the theater, if this particular movie was higher than the last movie we were in, and I think he was not prepared, I was not prepared either, but the volume, he kept saying, hurt his body. He's like, it hurts my body, mom. Okay. And so he's like, it's okay, but mom, I got this. And I was like, all right. And so he decided to use the space in between the rows and he was dancing and he was shuffling his legs and he was like running in place and doing all these you know like physical exercise at one point there were fight scenes and he was acting out the fight scenes and so he was moving his is quite innately intelligent to use movement to try and disperse some of the discomfort he felt in his body because the sound was too loud and then in the process, he bit his inner cheek and he was like, mom, I bit the squishy part of my cheek. So that really hurt. So that didn't help. Um, but then he couldn't, he just could not sit still. So he was running, you know, back and forth and there was nobody back there with us except for this couple of two on the row in front of us and over off to the side. So as long as he didn't get too far over behind them, he was kind of in the clear. But then once he knew where his boundary was, he had to keep trying to test it. So, of course, he'd already kicked off his rain boots and was starting to go up and down stairs. I'm, I'm glad I missed all this. Yeah. So Sorry about that. Between that and then he decided there was nobody sitting in front of us, so he was going to try and stand on the chairs in front of us and, like, walk on the little arms you know the arm rest because he was really into the movie but he was just struggling to process it all 
the between the scenes and the sound and the way his body felt and so then he he constantly wanted different structures like sometimes he wanted to stand on the carpet and then he wanted to stand on the stairs and then he wanted to stand on the seat you know he had to keep changing the input that his body was receiving to try and manage how he was feeling and then at one point he really had to pee that was a meltdown at the bottom of the stairs um full on someone clean it up yeah me okay because he couldn't decide if he was gonna he he really needed to pee but he's like no i'm gonna miss the movie mom i'm gonna miss it so then he just screamed but luckily no one could hear us because the movie was too loud all right i wanted to bring up two things first thing is that this is not the first movie that he's seen in the theater no um i took the first movie i took him to see was sonic the hedgehog 2 he did great i took him to see top gun maverick he fell asleep so it was my turn to sleep this time i guess um and then we also took him to see that strange world movie and mm-hmm. that sucked the movie sucked the mm-hmm. the experience was fine so three movies and then i you know so i didn't even cross my mind that he was going to have a problem really yeah i mean it's a good thing i ended up going because i wasn't gonna go but if you'd fallen asleep and he was running all around that would have been a very i wouldn't well first of all i think that the margarita did a number on me yeah and so I wouldn't have gotten a drink if it was just me and him. Okay. Well, fair point. Um, and hopefully I wouldn't have fallen asleep, but I, I, I'm sure I would have fought harder to stay awake. Sure. If it was just the two of us. Yeah. Well, it was an experience. And, you know, from time to time, you just have no idea how he's going to take it. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he's sensory seeking and he wants that loud music and the loud, you know, environment and sometimes he's very sensitive and can't process it it's flip a coin you don't i don't i don't ever know how to predict yeah i can i can identify with that because you know uh, for instance and i think if i had to have mentioned this before because this is episode 68 so can you believe we've done 67 plus hours of actually more than that because some of these episodes are longer than an hour um that's a lot of talking (laughs) so and about sixty, about sixty six of it is you talking. You're so funny. That's so not true. <laughs> and by the way, I get the short end of the stick because sometimes you just stop listening, or you're fiddling with your phone, or you're. Have I'm to, autistic. What do you expect? Or you run ADHD. off to the. You run off to the bathroom, and then I have to cover. And so I get the I get the you talk too much crap. But it's like I'm covering for you a portion of the time also. I'm I don't here. get credit I'm for awake. that today. Yeah. Um, the, uh, shoot, I was going to have another point, but I was going to mention that before we went to the movie, I, I was looking at the theater's website and they had a sensory sensitive screening of, um, Shazam Fury of the Gods. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, let's go see that. And then Rochelle was like, I don't want to go see a sensory sensitive screening. I, I, but that's for my own sensory. Do senses. you regret it? <laughs> no, I, I. I regretted agreeing to see the movie we did see because it was right. too violent for me. Okay. Um, it was way too much for me. And so then I I was even more on edge because I didn't like the content of the movie and I felt overwhelmed trying to get Declan, you know, to sit still, which he couldn't do. But I mean, the idea of them, I think that's cool that they're offering sensory sensitive Absolutely. options. I think it's great. I, um, I just struggle to be in a room with that much light. 
Like yeah. that hurts my eyes. I don't know how. I don't think it would be. It's as, it would be as bright as it was when you come into the theater. Well, if it's like that, it'd be fine. But like, I don't even. I despise the kitchen light. One day you're going to come in, and I will have taken the light bulbs out. Yeah, I need light. But I, that I, light. I, I need it, to be able to see. Yeah, but that particular like there are lights that just hurt me, and that's one of them. All right. So. I, when you described, or sorry, when you read the description of it, it sounded like it would be a, a bright light experience that I... No, I don't think that... The, no, because it's supposed to be sensory sensitive, so I don't think... They have the lights on so that people can walk around. So it's enough light, just like when you walk into a movie theater. It's not bright. Okay. Well, I'm just ma- saying maybe in the future we'll try that out because that would you know be interesting. It's like we did the Chuck E. Cheese thing and that was sensory sensitive and there was nobody there. Sure. I'm sure maybe, you know, because who's going to take their kid unless the kid, you know. My only thing that's kind of funny is like as someone that's autistic and has ADHD, other people that are autistic, like little, specifically like little kids, I'm like, you're annoying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel really bad saying that, but I think that's it's it's because just because we're both autistic doesn't mean that our needs are the same. Sure. And I, you know, cause some autistic kids are really loud and kids in general are just loud. Right. And so, you know, it's like, I've, I've talked to people at work and they're like, Oh, you have a kid. And I'm like, yep. Uh, he's great, but I don't love other people's children because I have no way of, I don't know how to explain it, but I don't really feel it's not like in the old days where, you would, you know, pe- people, people would almost, I don't know. It was just more acceptable for you to talk to children. And I think pedophiles have ruined it for everybody. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't just, and not that I would want to, but I'm just saying you can't just like walk up to a kid and be like, Hey, how you doing buddy? Because it looks creepy. Yeah. Um, do you think that's because of, because you're autistic or is it just because are you struggling to talk to children because or do children annoy other let me see do other people's children annoy you because they're children or i think so so because the way i understand so children are unpredictable that's right and so we're adults but yeah, but but adults know at least all the social norms, right? We may not like them, we don't agree with them, but we know we kind of have a gist of of how to navigate certain situations. Kids are entirely unpredictable. You don't know what they're going to say or do or, you know, what they're what they're going to re- how they're going to react. And so for someone like yourself that struggles with unpredictability, children in general would be a big trigger. Especially, I mean, the younger the child, the the more the higher the trigger potential maybe i don't know teenagers are pretty horrible too what do you mean i'm not saying all people's kids are intolerable i'm just i'm saying like in general like a like some comedian i don't remember who it was but he's like this maybe it was bill burr but it doesn't matter um like the scariest type of person is like a 13 year old boy really because they're not quite adults and they're but and they're but they're not they're still kind of a kid but they're almost going to be an adult soon type of thing and they have this kind of complex of how they they're just kind of like little assholes 
They're in and a I, tough... And I'm not saying this as someone that's like, I wasn't one. Oh, I absolutely was one. We were horrible. Oh, yeah. We did, We still don't have a culture that's designed to really support teenagers through their their adulthood you know process because we don't they're the hormones have taken over they basically have to start from scratch in a lot of ways in their mind and their body and their emotional field and we don't necessarily help them with it we expect them to learn how to be adults and we throw all this pressure at them but we don't listen to them when they tell us (laughs) that we're that they're overwhelmed you know like there's they're in a they're in a crappy position we we don't do well with teenagers we're starting to do a little bit better with the younger ages, but we haven't figured out how to really wait, ra- raise children in a way that helps them acclimate into adulthood with a high rate of success. I mean, we haven't. We're still, basically, we have several generations that have all merged at this point in 2020 where everyone looked around and was like this is not right like I'm missing pieces to life and several people um, have either received or started their journey towards receiving their neurodivergent diagnoses or even their self-diagnosis and so it's like it's like the whole train came to a screeching halt in 2020 and everyone had the opportunity to look around and and really start to identify who they were as a person and kind of start over like rebuild who they are with new understanding and if you were a teenager during that time you know your entire outlook on what's potential in life is just got pulled out from underneath you so you know we're expecting teenagers to have this full-grown identity within a few short years and launch them into the world and go be successful you know good luck while the outside world is basically collapsing I wouldn't want to be a teenager right now. When is it a good time to be a teenager, though? I have no idea. I don't know. You could say that at pretty much any time. It's It sucks. But that doesn't change that they're buttholes. <laughs> they can be. Um, I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying generally, like especially teenage boys, that my experience, maybe it's just because when I was a teenage boy, teenage boys were horrible to me. Maybe. I mean, I, when my, I have four brothers and when they were all teenage boys, they were, it was so uneventful. I mean, everyone was in soccer or basketball. They went to school, they did their sports. Like there was just nothing. It was on my, my family though was more on the shutdown side of life. So it was uneventful for me like to watch them. So no one, no one got in trouble or anything? I have one brother that was a little bit mouthy, you know, like he's kind of a strong-willed. I think I know what brother you're talking about. Person and um, you know, so Is he still those things? Yep. Still. Oh, I definitely know which one you're talking about. Still a bull. Yep, he's uh he's a force to be reckoned with. Let's and call him Patrick. <laughs> sure. Um, he's a sweetheart. I, I absolutely adore him. I love him. He is got a very strong personality and um you know, he's a bull in a china shop, but, but that was the majority of any kind of drama I watched my brothers go through is just, you know, figuring out who they were amidst all the tasks. So I don't know. I didn't experience what you're saying. Okay. Um, let's see. I wanted to cover some stuff that, um, was talked about in the Facebook group recently. Mm-hmm. 
So bear with me, folks. Where is it? <laughs> oh, here we go. So this is one of the things I posted in the Facebook group um, about something that happened at work the other day. Okay. So I'm just going to read what I said because I feel like if I say it, it's not going to be... Go ahead. Okay. I don't want to feel like I need to tell everyone I have sensory issues because I'm not a delicate flower. However, I was pulling open the bay door this morning to unload a truck at work and this dude popped out around the corner and yelled, Bah! Right in my face. It scared the shit out of me. I was shaking. Then I was pissed because everyone laughed. The guy who did it is a douche. I already don't like him. Son of a bitch, I'm mad. Later, I saw him on a ladder and thought, what if I just pushed him over? Would everyone laugh at that? Ooh, you were upset about that. And I don't blame you. So I was opening the door and the guy jumps out and yells. And then he was like, oh, I thought it was going to be this other guy that works there. And I'm like, nope, it was me. And yeah, everyone thought it was hilarious. And I'm just like, I'm going to punch this guy. I'm always talking about punching people, but I actually don't punch people. I haven't fought with anyone since I was a teenager. Right. See? Horrible people, teenagers. <laughs> but maybe it's because you weren't taught like how to express that anger as a teenager, and so you just automatically... Sometimes people just need an ass whooping. Or a boxing class. I don't know. Like a Boxing? I took bach, I took, uh, bach. I took martial arts. Okay. Well, it's not the same thing. Like You're always talking about punching people, which makes me feel like what you're expressing is that you have some pretty core physical energy that you would like to... Express into the person's face. Or a punching bag. <laughs> just, they have solutions for that, you know, like neutral solutions. For so that. like the other day, the same guy, he was talking to the assistant manager and another employee. And I overheard him say something. I was right there because I was standing there trying to wait for my turn to talk so that I could ask the assistant manager a question. So I am never sure how to interact in those situations because I'm like, try not to be rude. But I also don't want to just stand there, but I also don't want to just like walk around until they're done talking. Right. And so I don't remember exactly what was said, but he said something and then I kind of made a sarcastic comment and then he said something that was like really rude and like because he was like, oh, he's like, I don't just stand around waiting um, to to listen into other people's conversations and then. I was just like, well, this guy's a dick. And then later he's like, oh, I'm sarcastic. You're sarcastic. It's just a fact of life. Huh? <laughs> That's not sarcasm. That's passive aggressive. Well, it was funny because he's, I'm like, you're not sarcastic. You're just an asshole. Because usually when people are sarcastic, they're funny. Right. And you can go like, okay, I can see the humor here. And I'm like, okay, if you're being sarcastic, like you're not funny. So you're just kind of a dick. But sarcasm is one of those misused words. It sarcasm, and I, I see it a lot in gaslighting. I see it a lot in people um, who are oppressing others' viewpoints is that they'll use the word sarcasm to hide the fact that they're actually screwing with you. It's like, oh, I'm just being sarcastic. It's like, no, you're being mean and you're being, you know, like you're you're pointing something out in a very rude fashion and then calling it sarcasm, which is the gaslighting part. To make it seem like you're not doing those things so you don't get in trouble for doing it while in fact doing exactly that. So he, <clears throat> you know, he was, it sounds like he was bothered by the fact that you were standing there waiting to talk. And then 
I mean, look, this guy so far, every single thing that you've mentioned about him just sounds like one unresolved childhood trauma after another. And it's just projecting out into his current personality and his behavioral system. And it's um, it's going to be difficult to work with because everything is trauma based for him and trigger based for him. And there hasn't developed any good processing skills. And so I don't see how you're going to have a lot of rational interactions with him because he's not interacting with you on a rational level. He's just a walking TNT stick. Like everything's going to trigger him. He's a douche nozzle is what he is. Well, and he lacks the skills to directly address what he's thinking and feeling in the moment. And so everything's going to be passive aggressive. All right. Um, Marie on the Facebook group commented, wait, is being easily started startled an autistic thing? Uh, that is definitely me. And then I, she went on to say some other stuff as well. But most importantly, that as far as what I commented and I said, I'm not sure if being easily startled is a documented autistic trait, but sensory overload certainly is. So they would seem to go hand in hand. Sudden loud noises always give me a jolt as well as smells and people touching me when I don't expect it, which yep. we've talked about on the show. Well, and isn't that also an, an ADHD indicator? Because um, those same traits are often common with ADHD individuals, too. I think so. But then she said, thanks. Oh, God. Ah, sorry for yawning. She said, thanks for the clarification. I also found this article that seems to support what you're saying. Reading and researching things is one of my special interests. Mm-hmm. Mine too. And it was, uh, I, so I just wanted to look at this article real quick. Yeah. I, um, I am, I, uh, how do I say this? So I took Facebook off my phone. Okay. Um, so I'm not getting notifications about things anymore. I'm not, I have not yet canceled my Facebook account, uh, mainly because I don't want to leave this, this group, our group. But if it were not for our group, I would cancel my facebook account okay so um i would like to know separately before you start that article maybe we'll start a poll in the if you would start a poll for me but it i'm just curious to know if people would move off of facebook if we ever needed or if you had the option to move off of facebook would you want to okay you want me to pause the recording to do that <clears throat> no we'll do it later okay. but while I'm thinking about Facebook, go ahead. What's the who's the article from? Like, where's it? Well, I don't think Ooh, I can really. The National Library of Medicine. I do a lot of reading on this site. It's a very strong source, peer reviewed. Yeah, I I just it's really it's quite long. No, so. that's fine. What's the title? Um, so My kind maybe of report. some people can check it out. Prepulse inhibition of the acoustic startle reflex in high functioning autism. Nice. When was it done? 2014 sure yeah 2014 so it was okay to say high functioning autism back then so let's not worry about the title right um i don't want to read this whole thing I just you don't have to that's what the background is for oh, okay should i read that um yeah you can read that high functioning autism is an autism spectrum disorder that is characterized by deficits in social social interaction and communication as well as repetitive and restrictive behavior while intelligence and general cognitive functioning are preserved. According to the weak central coherence account, individuals with autism tend to process information detail-focused at the expense of global form. This processing bias might be reflected by deficits in sensory motor gating, mm -hmm. a mechanism that prevents overstimulation during the transformation of sensory input into motor action. Mm-hmm. Prepulse inhibition is an operational measure of sensory motor gating, which indicates an extensive 
attenuation of the startle reflex that occurs when a startling pulse is preceded by a weaker stimulus, the prepulse. Okay. So then you can run, just run down to the results, and it'll summarize the results. Results indicate that participants with high-functioning autism exhibited significantly higher startle ap- amplitudes than the control group. However, groups did not differ with regard to PPI or habituation of startle. What does that mean? What's PPI? Pre-pulse inhibition. Oh, duh. Or hab- uh, habituation of startle. Okay, so that just means that it didn't. You didn't eventually create a habit for it. It's you're still going to have the groups did not differ with regard to PPI or habit- so. So nobody accustomed to it. Nobody got accustomed to it over time. Okay. It's, you're still startled. <laughs> okay. Well, that's cool. That's quite the article link. So when I do the show notes, I'll put that link in there. Yeah, but again, you can look it up. It's uh, prepulse inhibition of the acoustic startle reflex in high-functioning autism. Published date, uh, March 18th, 2014. Yeah. On the National Library of Medicine. Cool. National Library of Medicine. Um, and then, uh, so she posted that and I said, that's funny. After I made my comment, I found the same article after a Google search. It's interesting how much autistic people have to go through. So many people don't realize it. And I think it's one of the many reasons we should all be a little bit more empathetic and kind to others. You never know what someone else is going through. And because autistic people are often so good at masking, it can be even harder on us because our symptoms can often be invisible to those around us. Inside, we're struggling. Outside, we look cool, calm, and collected, like a duck on water, as they say. Mm -hmm. Or in a meltdown, which then gets its own criticism. So it's like once you finally have reached your capacity for what you can manage while being rattled on the inside and trying to be all cool as a cucumber on the outside, when that, you know, once you finally reach that threshold, then we're. We're kind of a, you're kind of a meltdown mode, and then people don't understand that extreme. Like, how did you go from being cool to being so not cool in a split second? And that part gets judged as well, and I think it should not be either. Like, just because you you know reach your capacity for we all reach capacity for everything. So I don't believe I I find it the shortfall of the person doing the judging. If you've reached your capacity and someone around you is giving you a hard time about it, like just ignore it. Just take care of yourself. Get yourself through that moment. and I just wish you didn't have to hide so much of what you were experiencing. And then, and what would that look like if you weren't hiding it? Like what would... I don't even know because it's... It, over time, it just becomes part of who you are. So what is it that you stop yourself from doing that creates the mechanism to hide it? Is it that you don't vocalize what what you're experiencing? To who? Whoever's creating, whoever's in the room. No, I feel stifled in general, I guess, just because I understand like. Like in that moment that that guy startled you and everyone got a good laugh, did you say anything or did you just let the moment pass and you sat there and suffered? I don't know exactly what I said, but I I think I literally said, Dick, I have sensory issues. See... Good. I'm glad you said that. I'm to the point, and I'm and not. He was like, <laughs> like it's, that's why when I saw him on the ladder, I was like, it'd be pretty fucking funny if I pushed you off this ladder, wouldn't it? 
But I, I, I guess if I could redo that moment, if I could go back in time and, and make that moment bigger on your account, that after you said, hey, I have sensory issues, and he laughs, you're like, no, I'm not, like, I'm not kidding. Don't do that to me again. Like, draw a boundary. You should be like, that wasn't cool. I don't appreciate it. You know, don't do that to yeah, me again. Yeah, but there again. was a p- bunch of people around. No, but that's exactly why you should do it is because everybody needs to know that you have a boundary there. And there's no reason just because they're on looking and laughing that mean, it means you don't have the right to express yourself. It's like because they're I on look. I didn't have the wherewithal. That's the thing. You're always telling me what I should say. If only you were there. Like I, w- I posted this um, picture on on uh, one of my other Facebook groups. Right. Of me holding the snake in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And basically, oh shit, where was I going with that? Just wanted to brag about my big snake. Well, um, I didn't tell you what you should say. I thought what you said was oh, hilarious. Um, no, but people went in the other group. People were saying like, "Well, I would have done. I would have said this." And oh, you shouldn't have said that. And I'm like, and so one of the people, the first people that said that, I was like, "Well, I was like, oh, you should be my interpreter." Yeah, I I understand. I'm not trying to be condescending and tell you what you should have done. I'm just saying that like in those moments. In those moments, I, 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 it's, it, it sounds great, but in those moments, I don't have the capacity or even a thought to, to like, I, I haven't fully absorbed the information from the moment until afterward. And then in, it's like, oh, I'll, I should have said this. Oh, it doesn't help anybody. No, I know. And I, let me be clear about what I'm trying to say because I've lived for an entire lifetime trapped in the what I should have said mode. Because I could never collect my thoughts in the moment. I was always overwhelmed by someone's energy and what I felt come off of them and what I was, you know, stuck trying to respond. So, you know, I, I, I live in that hell. But eventually I decided if I was ever going to get out of that hell, then I needed to live in a place where I wasn't constantly reviewing the past in order to prepare for the future. I needed to be in a place where I owned how I felt in the present so that I could respond in the moment when those things came up or choose not to respond because it was my strategy because action and inaction are often misunderstood as, you know, being opposites of the other, but an action could also be the choice not to respond. But when I was trapped in my paralysis analysis of the past I could never decide not to respond I was just frozen in non-response which is what you're saying in the moment you're frozen in non-response I guess that's how you'd have to put it so I had to choose to stop reviewing and overanalyzing everything I could have and should have done and decide that, well, how do I feel about these situations and really connect to how I, how I want to feel in the future and how I want to feel in the moment. And that's what gave me a voice to handle the crisis when it presented, because I don't have very quick processing time especially in highly emotional situations. And when I'm scared, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, if I someone startles and scares me, it just like, you may as well just reboot my whole system. Like I stop functioning at all. I, I, I'm viscerally just rattled. So I had to prepare. I had to connect to how I really felt 
in the pre like in the present I have to do that constantly so that I can be ready to respond in the present instead of hoping that it's just going to come to me if I keep reviewing the past do you know what I'm saying yes I had to change my mindset from reviewing the past to living in the present I could never get out of that trap by reviewing the past now I lived there consistently I mean I have a drive a I have a traumatic childhood in terms of you know being neglectful emotionally so I wasn't given these tools as a kid so I didn't have them to rely on don't you mean neglected sure well neglectful would be if you were the person neglecting someone else okay well then yeah what you said so it was I got one you got yeah I had to I it was a skill I had to learn as an adult and it didn't come overnight I had I'm, I've been practicing it for three years to get to the point where I could handle that situation with Declan's school this last Christmas and be as as irate and disappointed during those conversations as I was and still keep my cool and know that I could gather my thoughts and I could express my feelings in the moment that I needed to hit that man over the head with my words and then in other moments know to hold back because it wasn't the time you know to say those certain things and I could work my way through some a, a sequence of very difficult conversations not because I've spent my time reviewing all these conversations in the past but because I've spent most of my last couple of years focused on how I feel and how I want to feel in the in the present it's the only way I made it through is a complete mind shift and it took a lot of practice and it takes daily calibration to like if you trigger me to go oh there are times I just want to really mouth off and and get mad and I go oh and I don't respond to you which is unlike me because in the past I would yeah I have another thing that kind of goes along with this, I think. The sensory thing. Oh, okay. From the Facebook group that I posted. Okay. Well, I was hoping you'd comment on... So, do you do that? Do you spend any time, like, trying to focus on how you feel in the present? Like, is that a part of your... Like, do you focus on that at all? Uh, uh, no. Are you aware of how you want to feel in the present? How I want to feel? Yeah. I don't know. So then how do you know if you ever get there? Like I do afterward. It's too hard to it, I need time to digest. Okay. So uh, so help me we'll get to that in a second but like how do you navigate that then? If you're if you have to do everything in review, how do you navigate living in the present moment? You don't. Are you resigned to that to it being that way for the rest of your life or do you That's how I've always been. And are you comfortable with that? I don't love it. So are you Are you even interested in trying to figure out how to improve that experience for yourself? I don't know. Um, maybe. Because the cycle that you're agreeing to live in is basically saying, I'm going to continue to review what happened last time so that the next time that happens, I'm not going to be prepared for it and I won't be able to understand how I feel until it's already over. Like you're basically signing up for that cycle to repeat. That's how it is with everything. It's like vacations. I'm always like, oh, that was a lot of fun afterward. And then, but in the moment, it's like I saw something on Facebook the other day and someone's like, oh, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell my friends I'm down for anything. And, and they're like, as long as we're done by eight. 
and as long as there aren't too many people and as long as and as long as and as long as you know what i mean and all the conditions come yeah yeah because that's what we want to think it's just like with when you surprise me with the mill brooks tickets right i'm like i love surprises and i'm like well not this surprise or that surprise or on this day because i pre-planned but but that's what i'm saying so unless you become aware of a cycle that you're trapped in and i'm using that word trapped because it's a neurological trap like it's a it's a neurological pathway that at this point's become the habitual part of the 80 to 95 percent of your brain that you are not actively guiding or changing so it does become a trap in the case that you're not given a choice your brain doesn't give you a choice in the moment it just goes oh i already know what to do and it automatically chooses for you therefore trapping you to repeat your past I find that troubling. I find that I don't have clinical anxiety, but but when I experience anxiety, it's when I feel trapped by my own responses or my own ability to respond. So someone like yourself with anxiety, I bring this up because this is one of those places that cultivates more anxiety. So knowing that, is that something you're interested in in diving in for yourself? Because otherwise you're just signing up to continue the process over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, about having the presence of mind to be in the moment, in the moment, but I wouldn't even know where to begin unless someone was standing there next to me during all these times when I need to be acting on my own behalf. But it's not in the moments that you're being tested where you develop the skills to be in the moment. You... And that maybe that's the myth. So that's helpful for me to hear you say that because when we're in the moment and we're we're relying on our brain to either go into autopilot or give us a choice in order to create that pause where you develop the choice, it requires changing your mindset when you're not in face of other people, when you're in your quiet time and it's just you and your brain and you're deciding to become aware of the things that you're thinking about or how you're spending your review time. It's it's in the quiet moments when there's no pressure that you start to change the way that you're thinking to empower you to be in pr the present during those moments. So how do you spend the time when it's just you and there's when it's just you in your head like that's that's where it starts how do you feel those thoughts how do you feel that time tiktok with, with tiktok and ice cream <laughs> video games maybe well and maybe so maybe that's the most powerful thing i can tell you is that those those are the places but i sit and like when i'd make music and it's not like i you make it sound like i don't think I'm not saying you didn't think. I'm just saying that what we are unaware of most of the time is... those other things because I think too much. Yeah, and there's a lot of dopamine seeking that happens in, you know, fast-paced information hits like TikTok. And I love TikTok. I can get stuck in there just like anybody else. But it's not about getting a dopamine hit or being exposed in those environments. It's about what, how do you talk to yourself when it's just you? And there's no pressure around you to respond to or communicate to anyone else. Do you spend your time in review or do you spend your time focusing on how you feel? Probably more in review. Okay, so then what you're inadvertently doing is triggering your thoughts and your emotions from the past and therefore trapping yourself in them. If you, if you just spent... 
and you can slowly acclimate to this, is that while it's just you and you know, you're in between creating music and turning on TikTok and you just ask yourself, how do I feel right now? How do I feel right now? And you do that more and more and more and more asking yourself, you'll eventually be able to answer yourself. And the more you know how you feel, the more you can. The answer is always the same, Rochelle, when I ask myself that question. What? Ask me. How do you feel? Horny. Oh. (laughs) I'm a dude. What do you want? (laughs) Okay. You want to take care of business or what? That is not an emotion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's so much emotion behind it. You don't even know. No, that's a. a It's going to be about 15 seconds of emotion. (laughs) No. No. No, that's not okay. Is it is it an urge? Yes. Is it a type of feeling? Sure. Is that an emotion? No. Like how do you feel? I told you. No. You're using that as a way to avoid answering Absolutely. Other questions. <laughs> and just look at your face. <laughs> Can we talk about the other thing? Sure. Okay, thank you. Let's move on. That's by moving back to the same topic. They are tested. This is from Facebook. Uh, and again, this is something I posted and I'll elaborate and get into more detail. But they're testing the fire alarm at my work. I was like, nope, and walked outside. Apparently, I'm the only autistic employee this morning. LOL. That are the only one with auditory sensory issues. I swear, it's like they rang the autism dinner bell. But in this case, we run away from the food. Uh, and then uh, Marianne um, from the group commented and said i taught in a high school and we had monthly drills i would lead my class down three stories with my hands over my ears the whole time i was the only teacher to do so and so i was like yeah that sounds familiar yeah so what happened was i was at work and they made an announcement over the pa and we're like hey everybody there's gonna be uh a fire alarm going off in the next 10 to 15 minutes don't be alarmed no pun intended because uh, it's just a drill. And so my first reaction was like, okay, so I set a timer on my watch for 10 minutes. And then after that, I was just like, <laughs> like heart beating, thinking about like any minute, any minute, any minute, any second, this alarm's going to go off. So before it got to that point, I ran over to one of the team leads and was like, Hey, um, I don't do well with fire alarms. And so, <sighs> I'm just like, so uh, is it super loud? And she goes, it's pretty loud. And she goes, you can go outside if you want when it goes off. And I was like, all right. I was like, I didn't, I didn't ask this, but I was like, can I go outside now? <laughs> I don't blame you because. And then I just stood out. I when, when it started going off, I was standing next to someone else and I was like, I'll be back. And I walked outside and just stood around the not the corner but i stood behind like this big post yeah where it blocked it didn't block all the sound but it blocked the sound enough and then i just kind of sat there and i didn't rock so much because i was i was but i i was kind of just like fidgeting yeah um and then the sound stopped and i walked back in and i was all hesitant because i was like is it gonna go off again um but yeah it's just one of those things where i'm like the, you know, that's why I said it was like they rang the autism dinner bell because I assume if there were other autistic people in the building that they probably also have auditory sensory issues like that. Sure. And that we would, I'd be like, hey, there's one of me, there's one of us. Just mm-hmm. the two of us. I hate these. And I'm like, yeah, did you, did you know that we're both autistic? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and um, because I, I noticed no one else left. Well, I, I don't know what's worse, like knowing that you're gonna suffer through a loud sound like that, or being completely caught off guard by a loud sound. Because at least when you're caught off guard, you have the benefit of adrenaline. Right, because your body's going to be triggered into a fight or flight, and you're going to get some of those neurochemicals to help you respond to it. So, you actually get more um, physical support for being in panic mode versus the preparation for like, "Hey, we're going to make you suffer with this loud sound soon." You don't get the benefit of adrenaline. Instead, what your body does is starts chemically preparing you for dread. So instead, it's just it prolongs it. It's almost like it makes time stand still. You can't comfortably start focusing or thinking about anything else because you're, you know, you're going to be interrupted by this loud sound. Excuse me. So it just prolongs the entire event. I'm sorry. Those are, those suck to go through. Yeah. And there was one last thing I wanted to cover before we go. Mm -hmm. So again, something I posted, join the Facebook group, join the conversation. That's you don't sound autistic. Why do you say on Facebook? If you want to check out some of this stuff before we talk about it, because I feel like I, and not just, I don't always feel comfortable commenting on what other people have posted because I don't necessarily, you know, sometimes I do, but I don't necessarily want to go through and just start sharing everyone else's stories. But I post some of my stuff and then I will comment. So I guess it just depends. Sure. Um, but uh, I, this is a question I asked. Does anyone else have vocal stims or impulses? When I get anxious, I make noises and I don't think anyone really knows this about me, not even Rochelle. Because I try to stifle them when I'm around others. Instead, I'll shiver or shake my head. I think Declan is the only one I've been around where I don't mask when it happens. I notice it mostly when I'm alone because I feel free to be my full self. It's almost like a barking sound. It's almost it, it's it always surprises me when I do it. It's like an and I wrote ah or ba sound for me, but it's more like ah or oh. ba ba. I've heard you do it. Okay, well I didn't know that. Just curious if anyone else in the group experiences this or if it's a me thing. And then a few, uh, there's a bunch of comments and I don't necessarily think I need to read all of them. But uh, vocal stems, humming, uh, guitar riffs. Oh, double bass riffs. That's cool. Uh, repetitive questions. Um yeah, I mean, talking to themselves. I do that one. And yeah, I guess talking to themselves is 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 a big one too. So, um, oh, and then meowing. That's that's probably the most adorable response. That's adorable. I have to try that one Meow. for myself. I do get frustrated when I get frustrated. I do find that it helps me to express it verbally somehow. I don't know that I would consider what I do a vocal stem, but I do sometimes just need to get out my frustration. And the thing about using your voice is that it creates a visceral response that goes all the way down, you know, your vocal cords, your esophagus, and depending on where you're pulling your breath from, sometimes all the way down into your stomach. And your stomach is where your uh, the vagus nerve goes from the cranial <clears throat> sorry, the cranial insertion in the brain all the way down into the pit of the stomach. So sometimes using voice to express frustration or like those moments where you're experiencing that tension can help to stimulate the 
polyvagal nerve and reduce the fight or flight response. Okay. So don't let anyone talk you out of doing what you need to do. Like I, if that's, if, if you've been hiding it or trying to consciously hide it, even if we're around, like, please stop, like, please, please practice using that technique for your own benefit around us because it's important not just neurochemically but you're actually not only robbing yourself of an experience where you could be calmer and be more like yourself but you're also robbing us of the experience to be more close to the authentic you so you know you do it express it like you're not in a household where anyone's going to judge you it's not like Declan's stopping himself. I don't stop myself. Please don't stop yourself. Well, for instance, like right now we're talking and my leg is shaking. Sure. But in my head, I'm like, you should be rocking. <laughs> then <laughs> but rock. I don't, but I don't want to. Well, you do uh, You do what you want to do. I mean, I don't... Th- the only person who can help you feel better is you. And like you were saying the other day, you were making these faces and, and I was I was telling you a story and your your emotions were very clearly written on your face, but you refused to tell me what you were thinking. And I was like, what is that face? And you're like, I, I don't control what my face does. I don't. Which is the, okay, which is, I'll say the most hilarious thing I've ever heard because who else? So if you don't control it, who does? Jesus. <laughs> you are literally the only person on the planet who can change how your facial structure, like what your facial expression is. You're the only one that can do it. It's just the shape my face makes when I'm thinking. Yeah, but see, if you would just allow yourself to express what you were actually feeling in the moment, and I I don't always do this, but I paused our conversation until you finally... That is me expressing how I'm feeling. No, you normally, no, no. I said with verbal contribution. I don't always know verbally what it sounds like. I know. So I stopped the conversation until you were able to convert your facial expressions into words. And then you were finally able to d- express what you were really feeling because your face was trying to tell you, but you're nor- so used to ignoring it and passing it off as being, I can't control that. You didn't even like a lot of times you block your own ability to know what you were feeling. Finally, you were like, oh, that sounds disgusting. And your face changed. And I was like, OK, now we're getting somewhere. Does what I'm describing sound disgusting? A- disgusting? Absolutely. So we actually were able to bond in that moment over the experience instead of that being divisive and, you know, pulling us further apart. Yeah, that's. Not how I remember it. Well, that's how I remember it. What do you remember? I don't know. Do you remember it at all? No. No. There. Well, there's the go. There's the truth. Um, man, we covered a lot of stuff today. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, because it's like the perfect time to end the episode. Nope. You're good. I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, we. Uh oh oh there is something else I wanted to talk about real quick uh that we are in the process of having conversations with uh with individuals to have them come on the show as guests mm-hmm. and talk about their experiences as well just uh you know keeping this train going and thought that that would be a good idea and I did pose that on the Facebook group for the time being we're talking to uh 
some some female listeners and basically not to say that we don't want to talk to any of our male listeners or um i don't know how it would you know it, we're gonna expand whatever, it what, as well whatever it's, however you identify you know yeah. what i mean um right because i'd like to get everyone's perspective okay. not i mean not every single person that'd be like you know it's like hundreds of listeners that we We'll never, we'll never stop recording. Well, that's what the Facebook group is for, actually. No, I know, but I'm just saying, but, but, uh, but to have a, a decent handful of like a, bu- a bunch of different people and to, to, to hear their stories as well, um, I think will just add value to the I think the, what you, you're trying program. to say is we're starting by asking to speak with women first, mainly so that we do a good job of our end of those conversations and so that you know because we'll we'll be speaking to all the women w- at the same time like within a several weeks right so yes. it's more about our ability to conduct the interviews and stay on focus well i wouldn't uh, I, I, interview is a strong word because that's why i avoided that that word because it i don't want it to feel like an interview no as it's much more as a, i'm sorry just a conversation right. more of a it's just you know being able to provide a a safe space to share experiences, yeah. which is what we try and do with our podcast every every session. Yeah, you were gonna um, say every day. I was gonna say every week, and then I no. was like, uh, not not quite. But we're we're trying. We'll we'll hopefully get back. Hey, to that. I only have eight more weeks of school. That's right. And then she'll never learn anything ever again. Oh, I've never stopped learning. I mean, I I must I must buy three books. Well, I guess it depends on the week. She owns three books, folks. You are so, you're twisting all my words. I was gonna say I own I buy three books a week, but there are some weeks I don't. But <laughs> and I she's I, read one. That is blasphemy. I'm just joking. God, have a sense of humor. Oh, no, oh, sure. All right, I have to special order one of those. But no, I, uh, I'm excited for us to be able to sit down and start having conversations. You know, get other people's perspectives on here as well, because so much of it's been about me and Rochelle's experience. Um, and you know, in, in our experience with Declan. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to share that with you and hopefully, um, get people excited about that coming up, um, in the next couple weeks. So, uh, I'm Blake and I'm Rochelle and we will be back. Cue the music.